28. It's, it's the second passage on your, on your sheet there. If you would like, you can turn to it in your Bible. Since that's kind of the, the verse that, that got us on this trek. Psalm 69, verse 28. But before we start, I wanted to ask you guys a question. This is not a trick question. I'm just curious to know what, what y'all's answer may be. And that is, when are our names written in the book of life? Has anybody ever thought about that question? Or anybody got any, any thoughts of when you think our names may be written in the book of life? Yeah, that was what I always kind of thought, you know, that, that whenever we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that our names are written in the book of life at that point in time. But throughout the years, when I occasionally come across passages that reference a, the book, a God's book, or sometimes uh, specifically the book of life, we see a lot of passages, and we'll talk about these tonight, that talk about people's name being removed from the book. And so for the last, last couple of years, I've kind of thought about that. Well, where in Scripture does it ever mention, like specifically, that at a certain point in time in somebody's life that their name is written in the book of life? And, and what we see through these Scriptures is it's not entirely clear. Now, there's one passage we look at that seems like it will give us a pretty solid answer on that. But even that passage is not clear. And uh, so that got me thinking, is it possible that, that everybody's name is written in the book of life? And when we get to the point where we've rejected Jesus Christ, names are taken from the book of life. Now, this is just me thinking out loud, kind of my thought process over the last few months and few years as I thought about this process. But I never really spent a lot of time looking at the passages to, to really kind of flesh that out and see what does the Scripture really say. And so we're probably all familiar with the with the term the book of life even though it's not mentioned very often in the bible uh, we probably are familiar with that phrase and so we're going to look at i would say most of the main passages that talk about that tonight now depending on your translation uh, if you were to look through there you may find the phrase book of life maybe a couple of more times in some translations than others and we also see other references that speak about names written in heaven or God's book that may or may not be references to what we would think of as the book of life. And so we'll look at some of these verses tonight. But what got us on this trick was in Psalm 69. Psalm 69, David has got enemies that are coming against him, people that are doing evil, and he's calling out to God to help him. That was the psalm that we looked at where David was talking about the, the floodwaters are coming, I feel like I'm about to drown. Uh, that's what we saw in Psalm 69. And David calls out to God. And in verse 28, David said this. He said, uh, Let them, that is his enemies who are evil and coming against him, let them be erased from the book of life and not be recorded with the righteous. Now, some of your translations may say book of the living. However, life would be the right translation there because... Uh, when we see the, the word life there in the Hebrew, it's the same word that we see in Genesis where it says God breathed the breath of life into man. 
It's the same Hebrew word. And so life is probably the better translation there, even though some say living. It's not, not a big deal. Uh, but, but the point being is that David, in the midst of his enemies, he asked God to let the evil people's name be erased from the book of life, uh, but not, not the righteous. Don't, don't, let, don't let their names remain in there with the righteous people. Let there be a separation between those who are evil and those who are righteous. And so let's pray, and we'll look at some of these passages. God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word, and I pray tonight as we look at these uh, words that we, that we learn a little bit. God, this isn't so much a, a sermon as it is just kind of a, kind of a learning opportunity for us to, to talk about this topic. And so I pray, God, that we would uh, understand this as good as we can. And uh, God, even if we don't leave out of here knowing everything there is to know about the book of life, God, the, the key is, is that there is victory for those in Jesus Christ. And that's what we see uh, through these passages that we're going to look at tonight. So I pray that you hide me behind the cross, that you uh, take away any pride that's in my heart and any fear, and that you just let the Holy Spirit be with me as I read through and preach and teach through this topic tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. All right, the first passage that, uh, that we see is from the Old Testament. I, I kind of put these in chronological order as, as, as to what order you'd get to them if you were reading through the Bible. And so we've got a few Old Testament passages. Now, uh, as I mentioned, you may could find some other passages that you would say, hey, I think this passage references the book of life. And you may look at some of these and you may say, I don't know that all of these do. And that's okay. Uh, but, but I think that most of these that we're looking at, well, I think all of these that we're looking at tonight are probably uh, references to the book of life, even if it doesn't specifically say book of life. Now, we won't go into the context necessarily of all these references. That's kind of beyond the scope of what we're talking about. And so we're, we're going to talk about some stuff in these passages. We're going to see some stuff that we might want to know more about, but, but we won't dig into to all of that. We're just going to kind of focus on what we're, what we're talking about. But in Exodus 32, verses 30 through 33, before this, God's people had made a, a golden calf. God had delivered them out of Egypt, and they began to worship a golden calf, and God was angry with them. And that's kind of the context of what's going on. And so, with that in mind, Moses is addressing the situation. And in Exodus 32, verse 30, it says, The following day Moses said to the people, You have committed a grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a god of gold for themselves. Now, if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, I will erase whoever has sinned against me from my book. So Moses is not happy with the people, and he knows that God is not happy with the people. And he asked on behalf of the people, forgive them of their sin. But God, if you're not going to forgive them of their sin, then erase my name from the book of life. Now, there may be a couple of ways we could look at this. What it appears to say in the context is that Moses is saying, perhaps maybe I failed as a leader. And if you're not going to forgive the people, then, then I, need to, I need to be punished with them. That could be what, what uh, Moses is saying. Uh, some may have taken from this passage, and maybe rightfully so, 
that Moses is saying he, he wants to be the intercessor for the people. Take my life and not theirs. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what he's saying. However, that, that, that idea is not foreign to, to people. We see Paul say the same thing in the New Testament. We see Paul say, look, if only I could, I could take your place. Uh, of course, we can't do that. Only Jesus can do that. Even if we were to give our life for somebody else's sin, our sacrifice would be insufficient. Only Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient. But what does Moses say? He says, look, if you're not willing to forgive, forgive the people, he says, then erase me from the book you have written. Now, I believe this is probably a reference to what we would call the book of life that we see later on in Scripture. But what was God's response? God said, no, 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 I'm not going to erase you from it. He makes, uh, he makes a differentiation. I will erase those who have sinned against me. Okay, so God is not going to take people from the book who have not sinned against him. Now, when I say sin there, I mean, I mean sin that is unforgiven. Uh, when, we, when we talk about the sinners and the righteous in the Scripture, we're not implying that some don't sin. We all sin. But the righteous are those who are sinners saved by grace. And so when, when we speak of the sinners here being erased... Well, that doesn't mean everybody, because some sinners are saved by grace in Jesus Christ. And so, so we, we begin to see even right here in this first passage that we're looking at, the first one in the Bible, is there's a distinction. Who is going to be erased from the book of life? It's going to be those who are evil. Uh, what is God going to do to those who are righteous? Well, he's going to deliver them. That is, they won't have to suffer the punishment of those who have sinned. Why? Because Jesus has suffered that punishment for us. And so that application that Jesus made uh, covered the sins of the past, that is Moses and all those that came before Jesus, as well as those future, those who came after Jesus. All right, uh, the next passage we see is Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, Daniel speaks of some kind of gnarly stuff, and we won't get into all that. But listen to what it says, Daniel 12, 1 and 2. At that time, Michael the great prince, who stands watch over your people will rise up. There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since nations came into being until that time. But at that time, all your people who are found written in the book will escape. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to shame and eternal contempt. Now, regardless of what events are being talked about here and whether these things have occurred in the past or in the future, we see the same type of language. There's a book, and some are going to escape this hard time whenever it occurred or will occur. And who, are, who is the ones that are going to escape it? The ones who are written in the book. Now, this, is, this seems to be a positive for those written in the book. It doesn't say the book of life, but I don't think that it's unreasonable to assume that the book that's referenced here is the book of life. And so some will escape, but what's going to happen on that day? Those in the book will escape, but people are going to be judged. There's going to be people that are going to be, uh, it says here, uh, those who are asleep, that is dead in the dust, those who are dead and buried uh, in the earth will arise, okay? So we get that, the resurrection, that's what Jesus did. And so for those who have faith in Jesus, there's a resurrection, a day of judgment takes place. We see that in the book of Revelation. And some to eternal life when they raise from the grave. Those who are written in the book, that are going to escape the judgment because Jesus has covered it with his blood for those who put their faith in him. But some will arise not to eternal life, but to eternal judgment, eternal punishment. But who are the ones that are going to escape and be blessed? It's going to be those whose names are written in the book. 
presumably here, the book of life. And so we see three references in the Psalms, in Exodus, and in Daniel that reference the book of life, specifically in Psalm, and then the book which probably is the book of life in the Exodus and Daniel example. Let's move over to the New Testament because that's where we're going to see most of our references to the book of life. Now, in Luke chapter 10, verses 19 through 20, we don't have the book of life mentioned here. But I put this passage in because it is possible that that it is alluding to the book of life. In Luke chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, this is Jesus speaking here. He says, Look, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you. However... Don't rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Okay, so this is good. Jesus says, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you authority. Where does that power and authority come from? It comes from Jesus. Jesus says, you're having authority through me. This is what he's telling his disciples. But, but that authority, as great as it may be, he says, that's not what you were to rejoice in. He says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, we don't see the word book written anywhere there, but the idea of names being written in a book and this book being in heaven, now, this is symbolic language. We need to understand that too. It's unlikely that God has a physical book, that he's got his, he's got his feather with his ink and he's, he's writing it in there. I mean, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. It's possible God has a physical book that he's writing name in, names in, but I suspect that this is symbolic language. God doesn't need a book to remember names. He, he knows names. And so the idea that our names are written in heaven, are our names written in some way in heaven? Well, possibly so in some physical sense. But I think probably not. I think when Jesus uses this language, it's symbolic language to say, uh, you are mine. And that's what he's saying here. Your names are written in heaven. You are my disciples. You are my followers. You, you will be in heaven one day. I think that's what Jesus is saying when he uses this language. He's saying you're going to be in a place that's better than this old world through me. And that's what you rejoice in. You rejoice in what is to come. That is, your names written in heaven. We also see Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. He makes a reference to the book of life. He says, Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Okay, so it doesn't say much there other than it seems to be that Paul is acknowledging that these are Christian people. Now, uh, we make it argue from this verse that, that he's implying that these names were written at some point in the book of life, maybe when they became Christians. However, it's really hard to know. I mean, the passage is really too vague to say for sure. But what we can say for sure is that Paul acknowledges that these that he talked about are written in the book of life, which is a good thing. That is, they are believers. They are followers of God. They have faith in Jesus Christ. If we continue on, we see most of our references in the book of Revelation, which makes things even more difficult because Revelation is very symbolic. And it's hard sometimes to make heads or tails of some of the symbolism and figure out what is literal, how much of it is literal, and, and how, do we, how do we figure out what's literal and what's symbolic? Well, that's a really difficult question to answer. Uh, but we see a lot of references to the book of life in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, 
Now, at the very beginning of Revelation, Jesus is giving some messages to seven different churches. And one of those messages was in a letter to the church of Sardis. And there's some encouragement here at the end of this passage. Well, you could say it's encouragement. You, you could also say it's kind of a, kind of a scary thing. You, you can determine based on the language what you think it is. But Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 says, In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes, and I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, the victor here would be the one who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And so what is the promise that Jesus makes? He says, the victor, their name will never be erased from the book of life. Now, there are two ways that this passage is, is taken. One is people's names can be erased from the book of life. Now, some Christians would have a hard time accepting that truth. Some would say, well, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's impossible to lose our salvation. So we cannot lose our, 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 our name cannot be erased from the book of life. And so if, if we hold that view, one argument uh, and position we may take on this passage is, no, it's not saying at all that you can, which it's not. It's not saying that you can. It's saying that you won't. So some would say this is a positive, not to say that your name can be erased, but that your name won't be erased. However, we cannot forget the passage we started with where God specifically said, I will not erase your name, Moses, but I will erase those who have sinned against me. And so God himself speaks of erasing people's names from the book. Now, maybe this passage in Revelation doesn't specifically say that. We make it say, no, this is a promise of assurance that it won't be written, not a warning that it may be uh, erased. Uh, but we cannot forget the verse we read about Moses. And so uh, this is our first reference we see in the book of Revelation, and it's kind of a, it's, it, you take a couple of, of, of main interpretations as to exactly what's being referred to. But there certainly is a positive there for the victor, and that's what Jesus is saying. There is a positive. For those who have faith in Jesus, they will not be erased from the book of life. The righteous. Uh, that's what we saw with Moses, right? He was not erased from the book of life. It was the sinner. And so the sinner's going to be destroyed. The sinner's going to face judgment. The sinner will be erased, God said in Exodus. But what about the victor? What about the righteous through Jesus Christ? Well, their name will not be erased. And so we will remain in the book of life should we remain in faith to Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. You'll see two different translations here. And uh, we'll talk about why in just a second. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says, All those who live on the earth will worship him. Now, this is speaking about the beast. Now, we're not going to dig in and, and try to figure out who the beast is and all this stuff, but uh, that's what's being spoken of. All, all those who live on the earth will worship him, everyone who was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slaughtered. Now, this could possibly be a verse to say that here is when the names are written in the book. It appears from, from this translation that these names in the book of life were written at what point? From the foundations of the world, okay? Now, I put two translations in here because I do not believe that that is the best translation. Now, when we're looking at scriptures, and we're looking at, in this case, would have been Greek, would have been the original language, or really in any language, 
it's not like we have all the words that we use in the exact same order as what the Greek and Hebrew were. And so when we look at the original language, it's a little more scrambled, if we could say that. And the word order is different. And so when we're translating into English, we have to figure out, and by we, I mean translators, and that's true for any language, not just English. The translator has to figure out, all right, what's the word order when, we, when we're translating this into our language? And so the word order of this would say that from the foundation of the world, the names were written in the book of life. But that's probably not the best translation if you, if you go and you look at the Greek. And most of the translations you will read today will not use that, that word arrangement. It will look something more like what we see in the next, the next version that I have here. Now, that was the Holman Christian Standard I just read from. The next passage I have comes from the New King James, and it says this, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, that is the beast we're talking about, whose names have not been, been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, do you see the difference there? It talks about names not written in the book of life. The book of life of who? Of the Lamb. Who? Uh, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so from the foundation of the world is not attached to the book of life and the names written, but to the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. Now, this type of language we see in the New Testament that speaks about before the foundation of the world. It speaks about Jesus Christ. And, and, and we see that here, and that's probably what we see in the New King James and most other translations. That's probably the right wording. And so it's not saying in this passage that, that names were written from the foundation of the world in the book of life, but that the lamb who was slain was, was set up to be so from the foundation of the world. Now, either of those interpretations could be true. It certainly could be correct that it's saying that the names were written from the, from, from the foundation of the world in the book of life. Uh, some would interpret it that way, and that may be the correct way to interpret it. And if you interpret it that way, then that's certainly fine. You, you may be correct. Uh, however, I, I believe that it probably, uh, what we see the language in the New King James uh, is, 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 is the better option for uh, how we should read that. But that doesn't get us out of the woods yet because, okay, we've dealt with the problem in that passage that maybe the names weren't written from the foundation of the world. However, when we read a few chapters further in Revelation 17 verse 8, we see the same language again, this time without that lamb that was slaughtered from the foundation of the world. In Revelation 17, 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will be astonished when they see the beast that was and is not and will be present again. Now, if we're looking for a verse to say this is evidence that, that people's names were written in the book of life from the foundations of the world, then this would be probably the best verse that we could look to. If we're saying we want to find a verse to know when people's names are written, this is probably the best verse that we would, we would, want, to, we would want to turn to. However, it's hard for us to know, even though it doesn't speak about the Lamb from the foundation of the world, we cannot overlook the fact that John used that language just four chapters earlier. And so even though, even though 
John didn't mention the lamb slain here, it's possible that while he's using the, the language of from the foundation of the world, he's, he's, he's re- referencing what he said back in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. And so it's tough to know for sure. It's a tough, tough passage to know. It, it really doesn't matter in some sense whether our names were written from the foundation of the world or whether they were written at some later date. But these are questions we may have if we, as we read these passages and, and we may think about these things. Notice that what we have not seen up to this point are any verses that appear to say that when we become a Christian, at that point our names are written in the book of life, which is really what I grew up believing. I don't, I don't know that I was necessarily taught that. I don't, I'm not sure, but, but I thought that. I thought that when I became a Christian, my name was written in the book of life. And maybe that is the case. It's possible that's the case. But what we haven't seen in these passages that we've read are any passages that really clearly say that. It, at the very best, what Scripture teaches is that our name was written from the foundation of the world. Uh, and so uh, that's something for us to consider. But, but what do we see in a lot of these passages that we've read? The idea of names being blotted out or names being erased from the book of life, uh, which may lead us to that idea, well, is it possible that all names could be written in the book of life from the get-go, and only those who reject Jesus Christ are crossed out. Well, that's a possibility. However, Revelation 17 verse 8 may, may say otherwise. It, it may kind of, kind of dispute that because it seems as though that there are some who have been written and some who have not been written from the foundation of the world, depending on how we would interpret that text. I'll let you interpret it how you see see fit there. Revelation chapter 20 verse 12. We're talking about the great white throne judgment. Uh, Also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne and books were open. Okay, so we focused on a book, the book of life, up to this point. But when we get to the end of Revelation, we see multiple books. Books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. Okay, so, so we have books, and then we have the book of life. Now, this is at a time of judgment. Again, we're not, we're not focusing on what this looks like, if it's symbolic, if it's literal, if it's past, if it's future. We're not, we're not worried about that and, and for this particular uh, uh, study that we're doing. But we see a difference. There's two sets of books, and one of them is the book of life, and the other is a separate set of books. And it says, The dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Okay, so what are these other books? Well, I don't know. But whatever these books are, it appears as though they contain the works of those people who would be wicked and evil and those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, our names are in the book of life. And so we are not judged by our works. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done the work for us. When we put our faith in him, that is what gives us salvation. But those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, they will be judged by their works. Because what else can they be judged by? And if they have not lived a perfect life, newsflash, you have not, and nobody else has either, myself included, If we have not lived a perfect life and we stand before God in judgment, then we're in big trouble. And so when we stand before God and those books are open and all that we have to stand on are our works, oh my, that's a bad day. And so we see this distinction. 
Again, the same kind of distinction that we saw right at the very beginning of what we read with Moses. The righteous was spared. The righteous was not erased from the book of life. The righteous was delivered. But what about the wicked? They were erased. They were the ones who were going to suffer the punishment. And we see that same thing from Exodus all the way to uh, Revelation. Almost at the end of Scripture, we've seen that same theme that is carried through. Let's continue on. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, just a little bit further down in that chapter. And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, this, this kind of goes along with what we saw in that Revelation 3 passage, right? Those who were judged by their works, their name was not in the book of life, and they were thrown into the lake of fire. But those who were written in the book of life, what did Jesus say in Revelation 3? You, you're not going to suffer punishment. To the victor, your name is written in the book of life, and you're not going to be erased from the book of life. That is, you're not going to be thrown into the lake of fire when the day of judgment comes. Revelation 21, 27 says, Nothing profane will ever enter it. That is, the new Jerusalem. Nothing profane will ever enter it. No one who does what is vile or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. And so that's a good day. That's talking about the day that we're with God for eternity. There's not going to be any sin there. There's not going to be any evil or wickedness. And who is going to be there? It's going to be those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, uh, we see that Lamb's there. And it's likely, I believe, that this is the same book, even though it says the Lamb's Book of Life. I think it's probably the same Book of Life uh, that we've been referencing. However, since the book of Revelation refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God, uh, that may be why John uses that language uh, at this point at the end of the book, because there has been a lot of focus on the Lamb uh, in the book of Revelation. And so... The place where God's people are going to be with God and Jesus is going to be a good place because it will only be full of people whose names are written in the book of life, those whose sins have been covered by Jesus Christ. Now, we have one other passage here at the bottom. And again, I put two translations because uh, one translation will say book of life and the other one will say tree of life. And that is Revelation 22. Now, some would say that this passage talks about the book of life. However, it appears to be speaking of the book of Revelation. Now, if you have a King James Bible, it's going to say book of life in that passage. However, that is likely not the correct translation. The reason why the King James has book of life and not tree of life is because uh, uh, the word tree and the word book in, in the Latin only have one letter difference in them. They're very similar looking words. And when a guy by the name of Erasmus was translating the New Testament from Latin into English, he, instead of writing the word uh, tree, he wrote the word book because they look very similar. They're, like I said, there's only, in our language, there's a lot of letters different. But in the Latin, there's only one letter different. So that'd be a, a very easy mistake to make. And that's why we see that in the King James uh, translation. When you go back and you look at the oldest manuscripts we have, it seems to be pretty clear that it's speaking of the tree of life here. 
And if we need further evidence to that point, if you want to read Revelation 22 when you get home, you're going to find that throughout Revelation 22, there are two other references that speak of the tree of life and the city right there next to each other which is what we see in this passage. And so it makes sense to think that if in the two references before this, it spoke of the tree of life in the city, that in this reference, when it speaks of the tree of life in the city, that that's continuing on with the same theme that we have seen. So in the King James, Revelation twenty-two nineteen says, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city. And... and from the things which are written in this book. Now, I think sometimes when we read this, and, and it's natural for us to do this, right? Because, because we look at Scripture, and for us, it's one big book. And so we may kind of read into this when it says, uh, when it uses the language that whoever takes away from the word of this book, we may be thinking collectively of the Bible. Okay, nothing in the Bible should be changed. Now, that's true, by the way. That is certainly true. We don't want to change God's word. But in the context, it's speaking of the book of Revelation. This book of prophecy, it says. Whoever takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Now, the, the probably the accurate translation there is the tree of life. Now, it's kind of ironic that the verse that says you don't need to change any words in the Bible is, is a verse that the word one of the words is wrong in there. So does that mean that Erasmus was an evil person? Well, I don't think so. I think that God knows that people uh, make mistakes. I don't think that, uh, that Erasmus putting the incorrect word there or what is likely the incorrect word there, uh, I don't think he's going to be uh, banished from the tree of life and the language there that it uses. Probably the correct interpretation and what just about every other translation uh, would go by uh, would be similar to what we see in the Holman Christian standard here. And if anyone takes away from the words of this prophetic book, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city written in this book. And again, you can go back and read Revelation 22. And two times before this, you're going to see a reference to the tree of life and the city right there together. And that's what we see here uh, right at the, at the end of Scripture. Now, as I said, you might could find one or two other verses in your translation that you think speak of the tree of life. And you may say, well, I don't know that all of these, or excuse me, the book of life. You may say, I don't know if all of these speak of the book of life, like Jesus said, the names are written in heaven. Well, that may or may not be a reference to the book of life. But I threw it in there because it was close enough that it's a, it's a good possibility, I believe, that it speaks of the book of life. But what's the, what is the theme that we see when we speak about the book of life and then later on the other books and then ultimately an eternity with God? Those who are in the book of life are victorious. They are God's people. Regardless of when the names are written, the names written in the book are God's people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And for that reason, their name is in the book of life. All right? We don't want to overlook the word life there because that's what God wants to give us is everlasting life. And where does that come from? If the book of life is a list of people who are going to have life, uh, specifically eternal life, where does that life come from? It comes from Jesus Christ and Christ alone. One more passage, John chapter 1. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, you don't have to. 
John chapter 1. It says this, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in Him, and that life was the light of men. Now, who is the Him there? Well, the Him is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And then down in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus. And so it says here that life was in Him. And so if our name is written in the book of life, it is there because we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I hope that each of us has our name in the book of life today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these verses to get to talk about this topic. Maybe we see the book of life sometimes, and maybe we've never thought much about it, or maybe we've thought a lot about it. But hopefully, as we look at these verses tonight, God, we understand it a little better. And God, I pray that you help each of us to be names that are written in your book. God, that we would all put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we would not be those who suffer the punishment of the wicked, but God, we would be the wicked whose sins are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that sense, God, we are the righteous, not because we are good, but because Jesus is perfect and because he gave his life for us. So, God, I pray that we put our faith in that tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.